Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. I am so thankful you're listening today. My prayer for this episode has been for it to be an encouragement, like to really like deep down in your bones kind of encourage you and bless you right now in the exact place that you find yourself. You know, you've got a place in life where you are right now where you can use some encouragement. I'm pretty sure everybody does. If you don't, that is unbelievably awesome and I'm so excited for you, but most of us have some spot in our life, some place, some area. It might not even be in our exact life. It could be a good friend going through something. It could be a distant relative going through something, but there's a place where you could use some encouragement. Maybe you've been really, really pouring into others and encouraging them and you could use some encouragement to kind of refill your tank, if you will. Man, I've been praying that this episode would be a blessing for you right where you need it to be a blessing. Like Whatever is going on in your life as you listen today, I have prayed and I've asked God to show up in a way that means something special to you. And I'm trusting him to hear my prayer and answer it and to do exactly what I've asked to just be a blessing to you and encourage you right where you're at. Let's grab hold of the goodness of our God today as we take a look at his word. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 127. All right, today we're in Psalm 145. So that's kind of getting toward the tail end of the book of Psalms. And you know, this passage, it has some beautiful verbiage that is so helpful for us as we wait on the Lord because there's a a season of waiting for all of us at some point or another. If you've never had to wait on the Lord in anything, you, you will. It's coming for you. And if you have waited on the Lord for something, you know exactly what I mean when sometimes you're in that waiting mode. And, uh, you know, a little boon, a little encouragement can be so helpful as we wait on the Lord in our individual circumstances that are kind of challenging us at times. They push us and pull us and yank us here and there. And we need to be able to hit pause, focus on God's word, kind of get our footing again, um, hinds feet for high places, all of that kind of stuff. So Psalm 145 gives us that exact opportunity. It's like a little reset, uh, this passage is. And after we read it, hopefully in the reading of it, there comes some believing of it, right? Like after we read it, we believe God for what he has said he wants to do here. So we read it, and we believe it. The two really do go hand in glove. And I am hopeful that even as I read it, there will be like a believing growing in each of us right at that exact moment. That it won't be like super delayed. It won't be like a delayed response. It'll be like, man, this is kickstarting a trust in me that I maybe didn't even realize I needed. God's word is so good at encouraging and shoring up his people. I really, really hope that that's what it does today. 
Um, you know, like taking God at his word, actually taking him at his word, believing he means what he says, that is, for me anyway, a, a way to do a really needed reset. And I may not even at times know that I needed it. It might just be the the dragging down bit by bit of just normal everyday life. Then I open the Bible, I get in the word and it's like, oh, I've got that reset. I didn't even realize I needed it. So even if you feel like you're in a good place and you don't need a reset, um, you might still be so encouraged by this that you feel reset at the end of it. You know, that peace that we have been promised from the word of God, the hope that we have in the Lord, the reminders that David provides for us in Psalm 145, they're just like lovely, lovely. And I mean that in the truest sense of the word. They are truly lovely. All right, I'm going to read verses four through seven, four, five, six, and seven from the New Living Translation today. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. You know, don't we get a boost when we hear somebody else, somebody else sharing about what the Lord has done in their life? Aren't aren't we like just kind of encouraged and we get excited about God moving in this world in a way that maybe um, we weren't before they shared about what God has been doing? This process of telling our children, of sharing God's incredible acts with the next generation, it is refreshing for the one doing the sharing and the one doing the hearing. So the giver and the receiver are both refreshed by this process. And we see here in verse four that each generation is to tell its children. Like the the upcoming generation, we're to tell them. Those coming behind us, it's our job to tell them. It's not enough to be like, well, you know, the other generations are really good at that. I'm just, I'm too busy. I'm not so great at that. But we don't get a pass here. It's our job to tell the next generation, our children, about God's mighty acts. I mean, this verse even tells us exactly what we are to tell the next generation about the mighty acts of God. And are they not mighty acts? I mean, the book of Acts is like, it's often referred to as Acts of the Apostles, but it really could be, should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it is it is God moving and acting, his acts and deeds, what he does. It's mighty. Mighty is the right word. So it's refreshing for us and for them. It's our job to tell these children and then allow those children, the next generation, to proclaim God's power. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. See how this works? There may be a disconnect if we are the children of a generation that just was not really good at telling us of God's mighty acts, then we're not going to be really good at proclaiming God's power. So I do the telling and the people doing the listening are be like, that is amazing. Wow. Oh my goodness. God did that for you. See, that is proclaiming God's power. All right. I'm going to keep going here because I feel like I could get stuck, kind of stuck, stuck on verse four because it's so encouraging to me, but I'm going to try to keep going. But I just want to, like, this is, um, it, and also this is, Okay, I'm still stuck on verse four. I'm sorry. That's how it ought to work in the church, right? Like we share it and the next generation, they proclaim his power like a back and forth. Think about that. Like telling the younger ones what God has done, not remaining silent, 
but telling of his mighty acts and deeds. And if we can't recall any mighty deeds that God has done, that's a whole nother issue, right? Like if he hasn't done anything in our lives that we can recall, we need to go talk to the Lord about that. Like, have we forgotten what he's done? Have we gotten so habitually busy um, and kind of negligent of remembering what he's done that it's just not there? Uh, Has praise and thankfulness become so far removed from our daily life? We just can't find, we can't locate, we can't remember the good things that God has done. Or do we maybe need to study Jesus's words in the New Testament, in the four gospels, to kind of check ourselves and make sure we're not somehow thinking that we're in the kingdom if maybe we're not, right? And I'm not being, I'm not putting on any judgy pants here at all. I'm just saying sometimes if nothing has happened when God's word says something ought to have happened, um, we need to pray about that and say, Lord, why has nothing happened where you said something would happen? I, we don't want to be any of those people that Jesus talked about where they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he says, we never knew you. We want to know him. And that's what I mean when I say we may need to go back, uh, check ourselves, get in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, start there and say, Lord, is there anything I'm missing here? Just ask him. He'll lead you. That's a prayer he will always, always answer. Let's be thankful children of God who are in the habit like habitually talking about what God has done. Has he not done some miraculous things? Yeah, he has. When we start thinking back over our life and we're remembering, recalling to mind what he has done for us, it's hard to stop that train once it gets rolling. You know what I mean? Like you'll remember, oh yeah, another thing that God did. And then, oh yeah, something else that he did. And uh, before you know it, like... um. Kind of like almost, oh, wow, that one thing way back when, that time I didn't even realize that was the Lord working on my behalf, but now I see it more clearly and I'm so thankful. That's kind of how it works. We start talking about it and then we move on to the next thing that we remember. And then pretty soon there's something we remember that at the moment we didn't know God was protecting us, sparing our life, just intervening, doing the supernatural, but now we see it for what it is. It's really, it's super cool. It gets you fired up about the Lord, reminds you that he is very much involved in all of the ins and outs of your life and the lives of your loved ones. It, it encourages you to trust him in those hard places and with people in situations that um, they're beyond your control, which, you know, spoiler alert, pretty much all is outside of our control anyway. We just feel like we have this faux control. And when we really are faced with our lack of control, it's a great place to go back to this, praising the Lord and thanking him and then being reminded in our inner man, in our inner being, in our thinking, because that's, we live what we think, right? We say what the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We speak what's really in our heart. We live what we really think, how we think. That's how we live our lives. So we want to be thinking about the goodness of God and how trustworthy he is and how he always keeps his promises. And yeah, I'm out of control in this situation, but God is not. And man, I can't wait to see how he works this out. It takes us there, just starting this process of being habitually thankful children of God. And it's really cool when you look back and see God doing something that you didn't recognize at the time. It's really, 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 really cool. It's like the snowball. It starts to roll, you know. It's that initial movement, getting the inertia going, that takes a little bit of work. You got to just start the praising. But it's a good work, and it's such a worthy work. It's so worth it. You'll be encouraged The next generation is going to be blessed as you paint this picture of what God has done. And why can't he do even more incredible things 
in their lives, in the lives of the next generation, among their peers, he can. He absolutely can. I don't think that God has stopped doing what he loves to do. And that's working in people's lives and bringing people into his kingdom. Let's get excited about that. And let's try to stay excited about it. So that's verses four and five. Man, I got pumped up over just two verses. Let's keep going here. So, you know, I'm talking about these things, meditating on God's goodness, his splendor, his miracles, just the majesty, the majesty that belongs solely and singularly to our God. So much better, so much more beneficial in every way as compared to letting the woes of life and the daily news and what we see you know, in our, in our social media feed, be our primary meditation. Now, meditating on God's goodness is so much better. In verse six, we read this, your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. On every tongue. That's amazing to think about. I will proclaim your greatness. Okay. How different would this world be like in a super good way if God's awe-inspiring deeds were on every single tongue? If that's what every person on the planet talked about, the world would be turned upside down. If every person on this planet spoke out loud about God's deeds, not just thinking it in your mind, that's not the same as speaking it out loud. If everybody did that, proclaiming his greatness, nothing would be the same. You know, really like not one single thing. And I really do believe that everything would change for the better. Now, you and I, we can't make that happen. That's a really big, that's a big ask right there, a lofty goal. And yeah, we can pray for it. It's in God's word. Lord, may what is written here in Psalm 145 come to pass. May your awe-inspiring deeds be on every tongue. We can pray that. I think it's um, a beautiful, a beautiful thing to ask God for. And we can also at the same time get in the game, get some skin in the game. You and I, we can personally proclaim God's greatness. We should do that. We should do that a lot, like a lot, lot. Verse seven kind of feels like a promise to me. It says, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Everyone will share the story of God's wonderful goodness. This has not happened yet. But since this verse is in the Bible, um, I've prayed. As I prepared this podcast episode, I prayed and I asked God to make this a reality that we would all share about his goodness and that we would all sing with joy about his righteousness. And you know, it's post Thanksgiving. uh, So Christmas music has started. Guess what? That's a great time to be singing with joy about his righteousness, right? I mean, this is a perfect time. I'm thinking for me to be praying this prayer because, um, It's already kind of on people's hearts and minds, on their tongues, whether or not they even really recognize that they are praising the Lord. Has it been your experience that the righteousness of Jesus has changed your life? Has that been your experience? It definitely has. If you know the Lord, his righteousness has changed your life. Are we living in light of that experience? Christmas is a great time to be living in light of that. You know, and I really do mean it when I say people can be walking around a store shopping, humming a tune, and they may not have been to church since they were a little kid, and they are still going to be glorifying the Lord as they hum along or sing along with that Christmas tune. And I'm not talking about like Mariah Carey stuff. You know what I mean? Christmas songs that are about what Christmas is about. Jesus Christ. It's, it's, his name is in the name of the holiday. It's his day, right? That's week. The righteousness of Jesus changed the world and what he did at Christmas. It has changed your life. 
lean in and recognize it and be thankful for it. I want to bounce back up to verse 1 of Psalm 145, and it says this, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. We're kind of given a life purpose in this verse. I will exalt you, my God and my King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Here's the purpose for our lives, to exalt our God, our King, and he is our King, the King of kings, the King of all kings, and to praise his name. Isn't that kind of the heart of like true thankfulness? You know, we recently celebrated Thanksgiving in the U.S., and this verse is really fitting for this time of year. Each generation telling of God's mighty acts. That's thankfulness, right? Are we proclaiming the Lord's power? He has power. He is all powerful. Do we believe that? Do we live as if it's absolutely true? Do we ever like talk about that? It's not going to be maybe super comfortable for everybody in your life or in mine to hear us share about God's mighty deeds because there are people who, for whatever reason, don't want to hear about the Lord. So this isn't always going to be the most comfortable thing, but when we, but nevertheless, we're called to share about his mighty deeds, his power, exalting him and praising him. Some people just won't like it all that much. It's going to make them uncomfortable. But what will we do with that discomfort? It's going to be there one way or another. You know what I mean? Like there's a discomfort they might feel now, but there's a real discomfort when eternity is is, uh, in the picture, when people end, leave this life, when this life comes to its end. There's a discomfort for those who don't know Jesus that is beyond, beyond. Like, I mean, it's terrible. It's unfathomable. So what are we going to do with the discomfort? Are we going to just stay silent? Are we going to give people what they want, what they think they want? It's maybe what they want, but not what they need. What they need is always, always Jesus. And are we just going to not do what God would have us to do? This psalm tells us we're to be doing this. We got to make a choice. Like, do we fear God more than we fear man? We might be like, oh, no, of course I fear God more. But then we never actually talk about the Lord to anybody ever because it's uncomfortable. Well, yeah, that we might be fearing We might be fearing man a little bit more than we fear God. Isn't the fear of man a snare, a trap? And isn't a trap or a snare a bad thing? I want to to choose what's better. And I'm only going to find what's really better in the pages of my Bible. He is yet to this day so incredibly powerful. Let's proclaim that. Let's proclaim that and let's meditate on God's majestic and glorious splendor because it is majestic and it is glorious. The majesty of his splendor is so far beyond anything that we can relate to that, you know, but we can still meditate on it. We can't grasp it. We don't really get it, but we can still praise him for it and think about it. We should because the Bible says to, it's going to be good for me to do what God says to do in his word. So those are the exact things I want to do. And when I kind of want to do it, but I'm nervous and afraid about fully doing all the things he wants me to do, I have to want to want to do it and let the Holy Spirit help me. So maybe he's calling me to share something with somebody and I'm, I want to, but I'm nervous. Lord, give me the want to that comes from you. You do the work through me, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Here I go. And then off I go and do it. What's good for me, God? I ask him that. What, what do you say is good for me? That's the thing that I really want to do. And sometimes when I know what it is and it's like, oh, I'm a little nervous about doing that, I have to pray, Lord, make me want to want to do that. And he will. He's so faithful. 
He's majestic, he's glorious, his splendor is beyond all ability to accurately describe, and yet he calls us to hone in on that, to think about his majesty, to talk about his splendor. It's so amazing. His his miracles, they're wonderful. He performs wonderful miracles. You know, salvation, that's a miracle. It took Jesus's death on the cross to make a way, the one single soul solitary way for us to have our sin debt paid. That's miraculous. Every person who knows Jesus is a living miracle. It really is that simple. So this week, start right there. Start with your own salvation and praise the Lord for that miracle. This window between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the time to do that. Stay thankful. Stay thankful. Be a thankful, thankful child of God. Thank him. Give Thanksgiving for your salvation, which is what, you know, starts in the manger. It starts when the baby Jesus is born. This is the perfect time to be thankful. This week, start right there with your own salvation. Praise God for that miracle. And I mean like even out loud say, thank you, God, for my salvation. I'm guessing from there, more things are going to come to mind to thank him for. More miracles will come to your remembrance. But start right there. Eternity with the Lord. Fully forgiven. Our sins removed as far as the east is from the west. Is that not incredibly, truly miraculous? Thank you, Lord. I mean, that's just what comes to mind. Thank you, Lord. And I'm saying it out loud on my behalf, on behalf of all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We wake up each day. You can look out the window. You can see God's creation. You might get to see a sunrise as you're driving to work tomorrow. We breathe air into our lungs. We can feel our heart beating. These are awe-inspiring deeds, and they ought to be on every single tongue. May we not be a people who fail to share about God's goodness because he is good. Somebody, somebody could be on the verge of something really terrible, a crisis, maybe in their finances or their health, a really strained relationship problems at work, under a direct attack from Satan that's just so intense, they may really be thinking they want to give up in one way or another. I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to bail on this relationship. I'm never going to talk to that person again. I'm not ever going to go back to church. I'm going to quit tithing. I'm going to declare bankruptcy. Um, I'm just totally giving up on, on my health. That, that There's no hope for me. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of ways that giving up can kind of manifest in our lives. They may not be showing that at all, though. Like, no outward signs, because, you know, we're good at that. We're really good at hiding our low places. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. And we can be anything but fine or good. It's just what we say. We're really good at it. We do it all the time. You might share something. Your sharing could be the thing that gives them hope, that could remind them of something that they've forgotten about the Lord. Or it could be a way for God to reveal something to them that they never knew before about how much God loves them. Just realizing that God loves you when you're in that really low place and you don't know the Lord, realizing that God loves you, that he doesn't loathe you, he doesn't despise you, he surely doesn't hate you, that he really is for you, that right there can be enough to change a life. I'll never forget the moment that I first realized I wasn't being punished or beat up or disciplined Um unduly or excessively by God. And by that, I mean being punished for things that happened to other people. I thought that was somehow my fault. I was being punished. Dumb thing to think. Teenagers think dumb things. But realizing that God loved me changed my life. It was a huge, huge, huge step one, the hugest step one towards salvation. Um, I can put my finger right on when it happened. I still remember it, you know, clear as day. You saying something 
about God could be that catalyst for someone to realize that God loves them. It can change a life. It can save a life. It can save a life. It can prevent a suicide attempt. In all honesty, it can. And you can do this as part of your normal daily walking around life with your normal, regular you personality. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to watch YouTube videos or take a course on how to be a preacher or how to evangelize. You don't have to do that. You be you and just mention something God has done in your conversations as he leads. I'm not saying never take a course. I'm not saying don't go to seminary if God's called you there. I'm just saying sometimes we're like, well, that's their job and their work and it's not my job. God doesn't want you to become a totally different person to share about who he is. He wants you to be you. Because people know you, they work with you, they don't want to see some dolled up, changed, totally different person who becomes suddenly like, you speak using different kinds of words, um, your voice changes, you become very, you know, rigid and pious or, or whatever we might sometimes, those things can happen, just share you being you, you being you, you don't have to be somebody different, you be you and just mention something that God has done in your normal conversations as he leads. That's the key, as he leads. Trust him with those results. You know, the way that it can impact somebody who needs to know the Lord and who needs to know that God still does miracles, he still does miraculous things, that's really all there is to it. Um, I I read these verses, you know, and it can be, um, it just reminds me that it can be as simple as like, Oh, I think it was R.C. Sproul, maybe R.C. Senior, maybe. I'm not sure who said this, who said it's like sharing bread with a starving person is how simple it can be to, to tell somebody about something God has done. You're sharing bread with a starving person because once you were the starving person and now you have bread. It's really that simple, that impactful, that important. Can we do that like as, as casually as breathing? I think God wants us to get to a point where we can, where we can encourage people and remind them that God is good, that he is for them, that he loves them, and that he definitely does not want them walking through this life alone or stepping into eternity without him. God's people should be the most thankful people in the world. Nobody else on this planet should be more thankful than us. So let's just, let's just get thankful and stay thankful. And hey, if, it, if this seems like more than you can do, like this way out of your comfort zone to talk about what God has done, his awesome deeds, let me just remind you that most all of us at some point or another or lots and lots and lots and lots of some points or another's, lots of times, we share about our own awesomeness. You know, I don't know if you've seen the movie Bolt. It's a, it's a cartoon about a dog, Bolt, you know, where the hamster is yelling into the air duct vent, if you're awesome, right? If you're awesome, doesn't, it doesn't, and then he says something about like beyond awesome. If you're beyond awesome, it's be awesome. If you're awesome, he invented a whole new word to describe awesomeness, self-awesomeness. We tell those old high school football stories. We talk about our kids' football stories. We will talk about our favorite NFL team's football stories. And that, that's not our personal story. I'm never on the field, right? I don't play in the NFL. We talk about work wins, how this went. We share about, you know, something where we got a good deal on Facebook Marketplace. We, and we don't always share about it in a way that's humble. Sometimes we're sharing about something in a way that's like, ah, uh, if you're awesome, like me, you'd get this kind of a deal. We share about our own awesomeness. It's easier to share those things, our own little self, you know, self awesome, 
that's not a word. I'm making it up. Those our own self awesome deeds because there's no real resistance. Nobody's really going to resist you. They might get a little tired of it if you're always talking about how awesome you are, but they still don't really, really, really resist you. Nobody gets really, really uncomfortable. They might roll their eyes. Or they might make jokes about you behind your back because you're always telling stories about how great you are, always talking about, you know, Uncle Rico, I'll throw this football over the mountains kind of a thing. Like, you know, the devil, he's not going to fight against that because that bleeds so easily right on over into First John, what it talks about there, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. If Satan has even a remote chance of getting you to any of those places, he's all for it. He's not going to give you much resistance. We hold back sharing about God's awesome deeds because there is resistance. There is discomfort for us because it can be a little uncomfortable if we haven't really done much of that before. And for those who are listening, who maybe don't want to hear anything about God or are just experiencing that resistance because Satan doesn't want them to hear anything about the Lord. I'm an extreme introvert. And this kind of stuff, it's not my natural go-to happy place. Sometimes the Lord takes us to places we would not go unless he called us to go. Sometimes he will say to an introvert, you are going to start doing speaking. Public speaking in the online space, leading people, doing a podcast. You're going to have to go to conferences. You're going to go to events. You're going to, you have to do this. Okay, great. Wow. Yikes. That can happen. Sometimes in our conversations, that can be a place where God says, we're going to go here. Let's go here. I'm uncomfortable, Lord. Okay, I gotcha. I'm with you, but we're going to go here. Sometimes just in your conversations, that's the place God will call you to step out of your comfort zone. You will have some degree of pushback, whether it's internal, the way you feel about it, or external. If you start sharing about God's awesome deeds, there's going to be some degree of pushback, most likely. This just comes with the territory, but this is the territory we're in because we're in the kingdom of God. You get to choose, but I really hope you choose to do what it says here in Psalm 145. It's encouraging you to just share about his awesome deeds for these things to be on your tongue to share it with the next generation. Because as it says in verse 13, the Lord always keeps his promises and he is gracious in all that he does. He lifts us when we're bent beneath our loads. That's what it says in verse 14. He satisfies our needs. It says that in verses 15 and 16. He is close to all who call on him, to those who call on him in truth. Verse 18, he grants the desires of those who fear him. It says in verse 19, he hears their cries for help. He rescues them. He promises to protect all who love him in verse 20. In verse 21, that's the end of this psalm, and it says, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. And may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. How are they going to know to bless his holy name if nobody ever tells them about this awesome God that we personally know? All the promises that I just read, verses 13 through 20, all the promises that I just read, are promises that God intends to keep. Which of those promises do you think you most need right now? Do you need him to be gracious to you? Is there another promise from his word you need him to keep that wasn't listed here? It says in verse 13, he, keeps, he always keeps his promises. Do you need him to lift you because you're bent beneath a load? Do you need him to satisfy your needs? Do you want him to be, do you want to be so close to him? You want him close to you? It says he's close to all who call on him and who call on him in truth. Pray his word back to him. You are calling on him in truth. Do you need him to grant some desire of yours? Then fear him. 
because he grants the desires of those who fear him. And that means a holy reverence and awe, and you're willing to be an obedient child and do what he says. He hears their cries for help. He rescues them. He promises to protect all who love him. Do you need him to answer your cry, to rescue you, to protect you? Man, then be about the other things that it says earlier in this psalm. Do those things and get the promises of God moving in your life. And I'm not trying to be like new agey because I'm absolutely not. Uh, but I am trying to say that we sometimes take obedience off the table because we look at it and we categorize it as like, well, that's, that's kind of like new agey. You know, I'm not manifesting anything. Nope, you're sure not. No, the universe is, what is that even? I'm going to give the universe will give it back to you. What? That's crazy talk. If you open your Bible and read it, that's literally crazy talk. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we take obedience and we chuck it sometimes because we want to lump it in with new age manifestation nonsense. You be an obedient child and you believe that God is going to keep his promises to you. That's not new agey. That's the word of God. All of the promises that I just read are promises God intends to keep. Can you lean in today? Trust him fully and kind of recount with thanksgiving with a heart filled with praise. Some of the miraculous and awesome things he's done for you. Just give it a whirl. You'll be blessed and encouraged and then be willing as the Lord leads to bless and encourage somebody else this Christmas season. Let's roll into this time of year, the Christmas season, with thankful and joy-filled songs about his righteousness in our thoughts and on our tongues. I really do mean that. Let's keep an attitude of praise and joy all month long. It's not even the end of November yet. So by month, I mean like four weeks up till Christmas. Let's just do that. And let's hopefully keep rolling forward with that proper attitude as we move into the new year. Lord bless you. And I mean right here and right now, Lord bless you. And may he continue to bless you and do awesome things in your midst. And I just want to drop this little nugget here. If anybody listening happens to have a prayer request, a prayer need that I can pray for, I would be honored to pray for you. And you can email me at, it's just my name, J-A-N-L, like middle initial L, B-U-R-T at Outlook.com. And I will absolutely pray for you. And I also have a little giveaway to my subscribers that is only for people on my email list. You can sign up for that at my website, which is also just my name, J-A-N-L-B-U-R-T.com. And you can uh, just join the email list. And I don't email that often a couple times a month. So I'm not a super, what you would call like, it's not spammy. I'm really not a very good emailer, but I try to, as the Lord leads, send out some encouragement and information on giveaways. But the giveaways are only for people on my email list. So um, I'm choosing the next winner at the very end of November. And the December winner will be chosen by December 15th, maybe even a little earlier, so I can ship the prizes to get them out to people, hopefully before Christmas. I would love to have you on my list. It would bless me. And again, I would love to pray for you and with you for whatever your point of need is. And also, um, you can just say unspoken, because I don't need to know the details. God already does. So thank you so much for listening today. Lord bless you. I really do mean that. Until I see you, I don't see you kind of see you next time. Feel free to subscribe, get new episodes as soon as they drop. That's another thing you can do. You don't have to hunt for the Burt Not Ernie show like every time you want to, oh yeah, that lady with the God's promises. If you subscribe, it just lands in your, whatever your player is, Spotify or wherever you can subscribe. So, okay, that's all I've got for today. 
Have a blessed day. And I'm really praying that this Christmas season brings some of the most amazing gifts into your life from the Lord, the things that really matter, the things that you need most as his gift to you this Christmas season. That's my prayer. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.